Well, if you'll stand with me as we read the word of the Lord this morning to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've read this passage before, but I think it's a good reminder as we're going through these individually. It says in verse 4, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same the one Spirit. To another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Father, I just pray that as we continue to understand more of your Spirit and understand more of your move in our midst, I pray, Lord, that we would have understanding that only comes from you. Lord, your Spirit would quicken in our hearts an understanding that would go to the depths of our soul, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as today ends, Father, that we would be encouraged to function in these gifts, first two gifts that are mentioned, Lord, and that we would recognize that some of these gifts are already moving in our body and that we can press in, Lord, that more of these would be evident. We pray, Lord, your spirit on me. Lord, I'm just a vessel, and the message is what matters. So I pray, Lord, that the message that is preached would be for your glory, that your Holy Spirit would inspire it and reveal it to us this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word and your revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we've... We've already preached this passage as a, as a whole, and I promised that we would come back and go through this list of gifts individually. And we're going to pair a couple this morning in the first two. But before we get to that, I want to kind of have a, a reworking. It's a new year. You probably forgot everything you learned last year, so um, it's, and it's been a, a few meet, meetings since... I specifically preach chapter 4, or chapter 12 here. So, a couple things we need to remember is that the Spirit is the one who gives. It's not us going out and trying to attain to something, and then God says, okay, you're, you're at a sufficient level that I will gift you these things. Would that be a gift? No. It's, it's totally different. A gift is something that you do not deserve, but you are given because someone loves you. And so, these gifts are from God as a blessing to us, not based on how spiritual we are. Because it's interesting, if you think of what Paul says about the church of Corinth, he says that they are one of the most gifted churches in the, that time. Yet, they had so many sin issues. 
Remember what we talked about? There was even a man sleeping with his father's wife. I mean, if you're talking... <laughs> sin is not foreign to this church. They weren't overly mature, but God had blessed them with His Spirit, and they were experiencing all of the gifts moving. So that's another thing we need to realize that I, I don't know that I talked about much last time we talked about this passage, but oftentimes we forget that, yes, sin can cause the Spirit to be taken away, but it's not necessarily true that that happens. I mean, just look at David, King David. When he fell into sin with Bathsheba, what was his fear? His fear was that the Holy Spirit that he still sensed and knew would be taken away. Because he knew that his sin, if it did not get dealt with, would cause the Spirit to be taken away. Why? Because he saw the example of Saul. Saul sinned most, multiple times before God took his Spirit away from him. Why? Because Saul, unlike Paul, or unlike David, was not repentant. He was sorry that he did it only because God brought a, a curse on him. That was the only point. Saul didn't change his lifestyle. And so as Christians, we can't assume that someone is living a Christian life just because God uses a gift in their life. We should believe that the Holy Spirit is working in them, but just because someone is actively working in the Spirit does not mean that we cannot, as a church, speak truth into their life because we see sin. They're not above reproach. And I think a lot of times people assume, well, I'm working in this gift, so I, I can't, you can't judge me, or you can't, as a church, bring me under conviction for sin. And that's, I mean, how many times have we seen that? Uh, just this last week, it came out that Ravi Zacharias was acting on all kinds of sexual misconduct. I mean, just... Even his organization had to put out a, a statement saying, look, unfortunately these things are true. And we don't know the full extent of what those are, uh, but it saddens my heart. Why? Because it destroys the gospel message that he was preaching. And what was the reason that he gave according to the, the witnesses that they, they interviewed? He said, my burden... The burden that God has put on my heart is so hard that I need to do this. Sin. So we have to be careful as believers to not assume that just because God gives us a gift, that that gives us freedom to do whatever we want. It doesn't. So, first, the Spirit is the one who gives. And what is the purpose? It is to bring unity it is always to bring unity. And so Paul, in, at the end of chapter 4, from verse one, chapter 1 to verse four, chapter 4, he has been telling them, I want you to be unified. He didn't stop there. He then starts answering questions that they have sent him. 
And here in verse chapter 12, he begins again to hammer home that the Spirit should be bringing unity in the church and not division. Because the reason he is saying now concerning spiritual gifts is he's addressing a problem in Corinth of disagreement over the gifts that is causing discord in the church. So really, the book of 1 Corinthians is a... A, a letter to bring unity and to, to dispel the lies. And so the Spirit is one. Do you see that unity? And, he, and I think it's interesting when he talks about the Spirit and then God and then the Lord earlier on in that passage, he is bringing the Trinity as a picture of the unity of God. And the church should reflect this. So the Spirit is bringing us into unity, but He gives the gifts, this kind of a third point that we may or may not have addressed completely last time. He's giving the gifts as a diversity, a, a large distribution. It's not everyone has the same gifts. It's not like there's a church full of prophets and then over there, there's a church full of people who have tongues and interpretation. And then there's a, a church over on that corner so that we start labeling our churches the church of prophecy or here's the church of tongues and here, here's the church of the word of, words of wisdom. No, God puts a variety of gifts in because they each have a function in the church, just like the Trinity. Each person of the Godhead has a function in the Godhead. They're different. Their roles are different. But they're all one. And so in the church, we see the same thing. The gifts are given with the purpose of bringing us together, but each one is different. And each is just as important as the other one. The problem is, in the church, we want the fabulous ones, right? We want the powerful, physical manifestation ones, which are typically fall under what's called the sign gifts, right? Prophecy, healing, faith, miracles. Those, those are the ones that everyone wants. They, and we want to elevate those, actually. And I'm not saying that we should want them. Paul says we should. So I'm not wanting to degrade that at all. But what we should remember is these gifts, the first two gifts I'm going to talk about today are just as important as the sign gifts. Because without these gifts, the sign gifts will just lead people astray. And you know how I know this? Because I've seen many a televangelist, many examples of charismatic, God-ordained people working in the gifts, and then because the word of wisdom is not being given, they begin to go astray. And the word of knowledge is not working those two are so important to keeping a church on the path that leads to heaven. So there are varieties of gifts, but they're ordered to unity in the church. So I want to title this morning's message, The Message is the Gift. The message is the gift. Oftentimes, when we read right here in verse 8, where it says, 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge. We think wisdom and knowledge are the gifts. But we forget that they're actually describing something, right? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I hope you see what I'm saying. The message, this word that's translated word is the word logos, which is where we get the word, the meaning word. And in this context, it means message or uh, verbal utterance. Same thing, right? It is what is spoken is the gift. Yes, it's revealed. It's a wisdom revealed. It's a knowledge revealed. But it's the message itself that is the gift. I think until I started saying this, I had some misconceptions about this as myself because you don't think about these things because most people don't talk about these gifts. Most people don't think about, well, what, are the, what do these entail? But you remember when we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me, a couple weeks ago we were preaching through this, talking about the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world, and not having a wisdom that is, as I stated, ash heap wisdom that will burn to the ground. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, this is what Paul says. He says, And my message, see this word message? That's the word, same word that's translated here, word, word of wisdom. That, that same word is message. My message and my preaching were not... See this? This is, this is not what it was. My message and my, my preaching were not in pers- per- man, I can't speak. persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. What can we draw from what he just said? I believe, and I have some help finding this, uh, a really good theology book that I disagree with points of it, but it's by J. Rodham Williams, and he's a charismatic believer, and he's written a, a theology called Renewal Theology. Anyways, in that book, he addresses the spiritual gifts, and he, he really pointed this out that I, I felt was really helpful, that Paul is relating wisdom from God. A word of wisdom is actually... One of the functions of preaching. Why? Because this word of wisdom is a wisdom, what? Not of this world. It is not something this world can find. And so this wisdom comes from God. It is a wisdom that God gives to us. And the Spirit is the one who is affecting and giving power to His message. Paul is trying to make it known to us that Paul's saying, I was not a great preacher, personally. No one would have been signing up for my TED Talks, for those of you that know what those are. Because it wasn't interesting. 
But when the Holy Spirit came on me and God gave me a word of wisdom by revelation, when I spoke, it had power to transform lives. It made God's word evident in my life. So what Paul is saying, he says, I was, if you look at verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. So, one thing about this particular gift, the word of wisdom, it doesn't rely on the speaking ability of the person. Actually, it might more likely be against the natural speaking ability of the person. How many people do we know... I can think of one off top hand, off the top of my head who had a stammering problem when they were called to preach. Mr. Hamilton is a prime example of that. Or even people who could not speak publicly, but when the Spirit of God called them to preach, He gave them ability they couldn't do otherwise. And that is why I agree with what this theologian says and, and is pointing out that when you look at Paul and what he uses to describe wisdom, it is always something, true wisdom is always something that is only revealed by God. And it is a mystery to this world. Because what he says, the reason that the Holy Spirit is demonstrating is that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. You know what Paul's saying? Stop following men. Follow God. Because God is the one who empowers someone to preach the Word. So I believe we see Word of Wisdom in action Every time the word is preached, not because I'm a good preacher, but because the Holy Spirit uses the revelation that he's given in his word, the illumination of his Holy Spirit to his word, to my heart, and then the, the reading and all the study, all that comes together. But it's all the Holy Spirit's work to bring forth the truth. So this word of wisdom is something that was a mystery. And you say, well, how do you get that? Verse 7 of chapter 2, he says, But we speak God's wisdom. See, speak God's wisdom. What did I say? The me- what, what is the gift again? Is the message, not necessarily the wisdom. Wisdom, yes. If there's no wisdom, then it's not a word of wisdom. But what did he say? He says, We speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. You see this? This wisdom? I preached this message two weeks ago, right? I, I had not thought too deeply about this, but I, I'm thankful that I did because we see here that this wisdom is speaking of Christ. Right? Because we see that in verse 9, or verse 8. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So I believe 
That this wisdom is, for lack of a, be- a better word, I'll make it, it's a big word, but I'll explain it, Christocentric, Christ-centered. The word of wisdom will always be Christ-centered, God-centered. It'll be something that is developing God and, and showing the depth of who God is. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, let's read further down. Verse 10. Well, we see he, he quotes Isaiah in verse 9. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of men. All that God has prepared for those who love him. He's talking about the wisdom that is given of God. And then he says in verse 10, For to us, God revealed to them through the Spirit. Who's them? To the prophets. Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, and the most important, even the depths of of God. So if you want to understand who God is, you need the Spirit. If a preacher wants to preach to the depths of who God is, he needs to be filled with the Spirit, working in this gift especially, because the Spirit will give us the depths of God, will explain to us the depths of God, the revelation of God's Word. We need His Spirit because His Spirit is the only one, the only thing that can really know God fully. And that's what verse 11 says. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. You want to know God? His Spirit reveals. And Something that we need to to realize is that these gifts are meant to be used in the community of faith. It's not like God's going to give you a word of wisdom to keep to yourself. It's not intended to be self-centered. Oh yeah, God gave me a great word today. See ya. No, we're meant to share the truth that God has made true to us. But if we want to know the depths of God as a church, we need this gift to be flowing and moving among us. And I believe it's, it's more evident in preaching. I'm not saying it's exclusive to preaching, but I think it, if we understand what Paul talks about in wisdom here, we see that more in the way that preaching is done. And I would even say that sometimes you might experience it in a well-written book that's inspired by God. I don't know how many of you have read The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, but I remember the first time I read that book, it was powerful, more than the words that were in the book, because God has continued. That was a a God-glorifying, Christ-centered Work of God through His Spirit. God revealed those things to Tozer, and those things were true in His Word, and they glorified God's Word and and made it more evident. And so I believe that we can experience that, though written, that those those ideas, those, those that message, the message that was written, 
is a part of that gift. I mean, how many of you have read a book that glorified God and you just left like in awe of who God is? To some mystery that you didn't understand that God just used that. Why? Because it came from a revelation of the Spirit upon that person that you read. They, they were used by God. So I, I do believe that this is more evident in the church, in spoken, but I also believe that we can see this even in, in, in writing. I mean, just think about how many pastors, especially in the olden times, that we now read their sermons, they, they wrote their sermons down. They were written for people to pass out. Uh, Andrew Murray, he couldn't preach. He, his area of responsibility in South Africa was so big that he had... He would do a circuit. He was a circuit pastor, really. So he would go to each church. I don't know how often he was at those churches, but he would leave behind studies. And that's where all his books came from. They're Bible studies that he would leave with each church so that they could be feeding on the Word and the revelation of God to them while he was gone. And then when he would come back, they would be growing. Which I think is really... Really interesting. William says about this, let me find my page here. He says about this, he says, This wisdom is an utterance of some aspect of divine truth in a given situation. It will always be applicable to truth and to life. And so wisdom, more generally though, it, it addresses the truth of who God is. It might be more, for lack of a better word, theological in understanding. Because it's speaking to the truth of who God is. And one thing we, we need to remember is never will the gift, either of these gifts, contradict Scripture. They are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they should be taken as inspired, but they will not contradict what we already know in the Word of God. So we always need to discern if the message we're hearing is actually of the Spirit or not. Whether the message is a, a message of a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, we always bring out the Scriptures and let it be the standard by which we discern if something is from God or not. One, one way to know if it's from God or not is who gets the glory. Because after that word of wisdom or word of knowledge is given, who's going to be glorified? The speaker or God? It's a really good determiner. It's the same thing with the sign gifts. When someone is healed, if God uses you to heal someone, 
through, his, through the power of His Spirit, who gets the glory? Remember how afraid the apostles were of receiving glory for a gift that they did not give? They said, we're not gods. No. God's healed this man. So if, if you see someone that's trying to take credit for the move of the Spirit, you know it's not of God. Well, it may, may in a sense, but that person isn't because they, are, they have begun to believe that they are the actor and not God. And just so you know, the devil can imitate many, many things. I mean, just look at Moses. I mean, they had rods that turned into snakes. That is supernatural. That is outside of... And yet the Egyptian... Magicians could do the same thing. If you don't think devil has power to imitate, it's not as good, absolutely, but the devil will seek to imitate. Why? Because the devil wants to lead us astray. He wants us to believe that God is behind it so that we will buy into the false teaching of the person doing that or speaking that. So the devil will mix in truth. We've got to look for the lies. When we talk about the gift of discernment, we'll talk a little bit about that. We need it. And these days, we don't need Facebook to tell us what is truth and what is a lie. We don't need these independent fact checkers to check the truth for us. Why? Because we have God and His Word. We need to be going to God's Word and asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, is this truth that I should believe or is this a lie? We need to allow the Spirit to, to work in our lives. Again, I, I'm sorry, I'm all, I feel like I'm all over the place, but I, I, don't, I think this is important. And we can't forget that the Holy Spirit is revealing, not us. It is not us. You say, oh, sure, whatever. Well, we already said that, but just to confirm, in Ephesians 1.17 says, that the God of our Lord and Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. What does he say in verse 18? He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Who does that? The Spirit. So that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of His glory. That would be wisdom of God, right? That would fall into the wisdom category, the depths of God's glory, of His inheritance in the saints. It is the Spirit who gives. We cannot forget this. Because when that happens, we begin to go astray and we begin to think that we're something. I know of denominational Pentecostal churches that they believe that the Spirit is given to those who are more spiritual. That these gifts are more for spiritual 
people who have come to a full maturity. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that. These are gifts, not something you've worked for. I think it's interesting, Paul uses gifts to describe these. Something given freely, without prerequisite other than the filling of the Spirit. But then when he talks about things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, what is the word he uses to describe those? Fruit. Fruit. If I showed up at your door and I had in one hand... I brought you two gifts. In one hand, I brought you a mixer. And in the other hand, I brought you a wheat kernel. Which one needs time to grow and be useful? The wheat. I need to... I need to plant that seed, it's going to mature and come forth, and eventually I'm going to have a full thing of wheat. The mixer, I can start right away. And I I think of that, the the delineation between the gifts and the fruits. The fruits are a time thing. If you meet a Christian who's born again and they have patience immediately, give me a call. Because they haven't had children yet. Or whatever. They've never had difficulty. But God is working the fruits of the Spirit in us. It it is an evidence of God working. That that should be coupled with the gifts of the Spirit, right? If somebody is haughty and proud, yet they're being used by the Spirit, we should be very careful. And we should be able to go and, and bring conviction in a spirit of love and in the way that the Bible teaches us. Because it is the Spirit, again, who gives. It's not us going out and trying to work up something. But I don't, I, I want to clarify, again, I, I said, I, I see this gift more evident in preaching, but I don't believe it's only in that. Because if you read Colossians 1, you notice I'm only using Paul to, to describe this. The reason why is because Paul is the only one who uses this terminology. So we should see how does Paul use this word or these words. So in Colossians chapter 1, Paul says in verse 26, well, let's start in in 25. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that it might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. That is, what is the preaching of the Word of God? That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. So what is Paul saying? He's saying his preaching is this mystery, which is also God's wisdom. You see the circle closing? But 
The end is what I'm trying to get at. But has now been manifested to his saints. This is, this is not just for preachers or in his time apostles as well. Those who are preaching in the church. This is a gift that can be used elsewhere. God may give you a revelation of himself that is meant to be shared with the church. And we need to be listening to His Spirit. Be giving ourselves to the Spirit to be used in that way. Because when you fail to do this, do you think God will continue to give you words of wisdom for the church? Let me use an analogy. Let's say I give my children one of my children, a bike for their birthday. And they don't use it till their next birthday. But they've grown significantly. Let's say it's at that age where they really shoot up and that the other bike is too small for them. I say, oh, I'll get them another bike this year. And this child is just freakishly tall, so the next year they grow even more. But they still haven't ridden the bike. Do you think the second year I would give them another bike if they've never ridden the first two I gave them? No. Why would I? They're not using it. They don't want to use it. And I think sometimes, I'm not saying this is the only reason, but sometimes in the church we... Squash? Quash? Is that a word? Quash? Okay. As you can see. We quash the Spirit's move. We put a damper on it because we refuse to be used by God. And I can specifically say, I've done that, so I'm not, uh, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here. It's so easy to say, well, I'm not sure if that's from God. Well, just think about it. Let the Spirit guide. And we, we as a church, we need to be in tune to be compassionate towards one another. As we, as a church, begin to see God's Spirit moving, we need to be faithful to do our part. Because the Spirit is revealing, but He's using a person. He, he desires to use us in these gifts, for the edification of the church. So when we refuse to be used in these gifts, whatever they may be of the, of the many gifts mentioned, we are quashing the Spirit's move in our midst. That doesn't mean that we just begin to start saying everything that comes to mind, okay? Because this wisdom is not just everyday wisdom either. It is Spirit-revealed wisdom. God-given wisdom. Sometimes, I think we've experienced this in in our church, after the message, someone will share what God has showed them on that theme that week or whatever, and it's I believe that is a spirit of, a gift of, of wisdom, a word of wisdom. 
Because it's, it's God has spoken something to you, and now you realize that that's not just for you, it's for the church. So that is the first message. What's the second message? This message or word of knowledge. I think it would help us to turn back to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, again. Looking in verse 12 and 13, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? Why is that so important? Well, he says, So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in wisdom, sorry, not, yeah, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. I think Paul is now talking about knowledge here. This is something that we learn, that can be taught. So I would say, if we want to separate the two, it's hard. It really is. And we don't need to be so stringent. Oh, that's a word of wisdom for sure over there. That's a word of... No. There may be some overlap, and you may not be able to tell which is which. But more generally speaking, a word of wisdom is typically a, a truth about God that is not commonly known and does not contradict Scripture. Whereas a word of knowledge, I would say is more of a, a um, revelation of what God has done or a way of living. To be more applicational, for a lack of better words. So I would say, it again, this is received by the Holy Spirit as we see here in verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? So that we may know, see the word know here? Same root as knowledge. So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So I believe a word of knowledge will often be a word of God's blessing for an individual or for the body. So, I don't know if you've seen this happen before, but somebody might stand up and say, I believe God has a blessing for this person, or um, God may reveal to someone the depths of His love in a certain way to us. How God's relates to us would be more under this category of knowledge. I would, again, this is, Paul doesn't explain very, you just have to go back and look at what he says in, in Corinthians, well, in all his writing, and, and look at how he uses the word knowledge and the word wisdom and, and try to draw from that. Because these things that are freely given to us by God, we also speak. See that in verse 13? He, he's speaking about the things 
that are freely given by God because the Spirit has revealed it to him. Verse 12. So, this wisdom was taught, see that word, taught by the Spirit. So I would say that word of knowledge is often found in teaching ministry. Not necessarily from a pulpit, but in teaching, but it's in community. You say, well, why? Because Paul, remember in verse 12, chapter 12, Paul is talking to the church. He's not... As a, as a group gathered together, he's dealing with the problem that in the church, there's discord, there's disunity over the gifts. And so these gifts are meant to unify and, and they're meant to be used in the community of the church. Does that mean only when the church meets together? I don't believe so. But I do believe that it would be in the context of a church gathering of some sort or Maybe you have enough someone over for lunch or whatever from the church. So God would give you a word of knowledge to encourage someone of God's blessings and, and guidance for their life. But this is not just man's wisdom or man's knowledge. This is not something... You can't get this kind of knowledge by reading the Bible 30 times without the Spirit's move. You can't get this knowledge by reading every book that Tozer wrote or uh, name Dr. Freeman, whatever the person is. This wisdom does not come from books. It comes from the Spirit of God who gives. That doesn't mean that we can't confirm what we receive in the Word, but... It does mean that we can see it in the Word and, and, and what we have been given and revealed, that knowledge that God has taught us, is useful in the church for the building up of one another. This is what William says about this. He says, a word of knowledge is essentially an inspired word of teaching or instruction that occurs within the context of the gathered community. I think that's a really good definition. Again, we don't have to hold to a firm thing, but like he said, it is an inspired word of teaching or instruction that occurs within the context of a gathered community. I think it's really important for us to realize that this is inspired by, the, by God. It's not just, again, I know I'm hammering this home, but I think so many people confuse the Spirit's move with man's intellect that we begin to divorce the Spirit's work from the church. Because we think this knowledge is just anything we know about God. And it's not. It is spirit-revealed and taught knowledge to be spoken to others. 
and I believe can be written it just as wisdom. It's not as common, but it can be. It is, and we have to be careful, it is not mutual teaching. It's not two people sitting down and teaching one another. No, it is a special message or teaching given to a specific person. So I want I want to be careful that we don't start labeling everything that's going on in the church as a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge because it is not it is a special message given for a specific person to speak, whether that's a preacher or an individual in the church, whatever role they have. But these gifts are essential to the Spirit's work in the church, to the unity of the church, just as every other gift that we're going to talk about as we go forward. So as believers, we must not neglect these gifts either. Because I believe we already have, and I, I pray that God is working in me at least one of these gifts for yours and my benefit. Because if God is not speaking through me to us this morning, then we should just stop meeting together. Because we didn't come here to hear me speak. Well, I hope not. We came here to meet with God. And when God meets with us, that's why we keep coming, even though there's a lot of empty seats. We're not coming here because it's popular. We're coming here because we believe God is speaking to us through His Word. So as we end, just to kind of delineate between these two again, a word of wisdom is more speaks more to the central mysteries of the Christian faith. What it means to be a Christian, what who God is. And I would I would say a word of knowledge is a teaching or like he said an instruction that is meant to be applied. So if you could kind of think of a word of wisdom as more something that is given that empowers you to live a Christian life to because you know who God is, you better understand who God is and it makes you want to glorify God more. And I would say a word of knowledge is more an applicational message, a word that brings about change in your life. It shows you how to live the Christian life. Again, I don't want to be too careful because, again, Paul doesn't give us a set in stone, this is exactly what this is and this is exactly what that is. So we need to be careful as a church not to get into disputes over if someone is working in one gift or another. I don't think that's important. What is important is that the Spirit gives the message and the Spirit uses individuals who step out in faith take the chance of being ridiculed because they say something 
and see God move. And as a church, I want to encourage us, if these, if God begins, as you're praying this week, I would ask you to begin to pray, Lord, if you can use me in either of these ways, begin to use me. Begin to open my eyes to truths that I can find only by your Spirit. To how to apply my walk with you and be ready to be used in the ministry of the church. Because we need one another. We need God not just to speak through me, because I'm inadequate. I don't want you to follow me. I don't want this church to be Caleb's church, because it isn't. I want us as a church to be serving God and seeing the Spirit move. And so, I pray that we would take that with us. And remember, something that I think we forget often is Christ worked through the power of the Spirit. When He had a word of wisdom, when He had a word of knowledge, it was through the Spirit. That doesn't negate the fact that He was God in the flesh, but He lived in the power of the Spirit. If you don't believe me, I want to end here in Isaiah chapter 11. This is where I'll leave us this morning. Because Christ, Jesus said that we would do even greater works than these. The ones that He had done. In Isaiah... Well, we all know Isaiah 61, right? The Spirit of God is upon me to preach the good news. We know that, right? Well, this is a a less commonly known verse in Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from its roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Is it talking about a different spirit? No, he's talking about the spirit of God resting upon Christ. And where do we have a picture of that? At his baptism. Coming down, not as a dove, but like a dove, fluttering over him like a bird. And then coming upon him, resting upon him. I don't think it's an accident that that scene at the baptism happened that way. I believe the Spirit was already working in Christ from the womb, right? Because how could he live perfectly as a child without the Spirit? So the Spirit had been working in his life to keep him pure from day one. But here was an evident example of God's Spirit resting upon Jesus, right before he started his ministry, and right before he went into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. So we need the Spirit of the Lord more than Christ. He was God in the flesh. How much more do we need His Spirit every day, working through us, Guiding us, giving us wisdom and understanding, counsel, strength, and knowledge. 
cry out for the Spirit of God in your life. I pray this morning that we would leave with that, that God's Spirit would move among us individually during the week so that when we come together on Sundays and Wednesdays and whenever we're together in small groups or just one-on-one, whatever it may be, that we would experience His presence like we haven't before. Because we need His Spirit more now than ever. The world is turning against God. And we will have to rely on the Spirit for things we've never had to rely on Him for. The question is, are we going to be ready? Let's pray. Father, give us a hunger and thirst for a refreshing filling of Your Spirit. Lord, fill us afresh so that when we are living our lives, not only would we know how to live, but we would be empowered to live that way and that we would be a witness to our neighbors, that we would not be able to contain our joy at knowing you, our joy at understanding the glory of who you are. Lord, I pray your spirit would go with us today. You would awaken in us a hunger and a thirst for you. We praise you, God, for your mercy. We praise you, God, for your truth. Lord, speak to us this week. Guide us by your right hand. Give us wisdom, we pray. Open our eyes to the truth of your word. Teach us by your spirit. I pray you would bless and keep us as we go this morning. You would guide and direct us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray that God has encouraged you this morning as well as convicted you to continue to seek His move. I think each week as we go over these gifts, you will be encouraged to press in. Not everyone will have the same gift. So don't be upset if God gives you a gift that's different than so-and-so. And it may change. God doesn't just give you... I don't see anywhere in Scripture where someone was only able to operate in one gift. We may see God working in one person in multiple ways. But I believe every single person in this room should be experiencing God's move in His Spirit and and we should see His Spirit working through us in the operating of the gifts. Every single one. There's no exception. So, pray you have a blessed week.